Hello, I'm Martha O'Neill and welcome to the first in my currently unnamed series of Micropods, where I explain and discuss the big ideas of our time in what I hope to be an easily understandable and digestible way. Today I'll be talking about the male gaze. I'm deliberately going to evade giving you a definition of this term, partly because I want you to come to your own conclusions on it. I do, however, want you to think about the factors influencing it, namely white and cis privilege, as well as racism, ableism and classism. The phrase the male gaze is often banded about by intellectual types when talking about film, TV and art. The hashtag MeToo movement, started by Tarana Burke back in 2006, but brought to the media's attention following the downfall of sexual predator-cum-movie mogul Harvey Weinstein, gave the term a new and worldwide audience. During this time, people started re-evaluating Weinstein's films, and those of directors such as Woody Allen, in an attempt to identify clues or hints of misogyny in the work a kind of morbid Easter egg hunt to try and identify the warning signs of sexual abuse. It's understandable to do so. How can we make sense of our enjoyment of a film created by someone so bad? Did a particular scene read differently now that the audience knew the men behind the scenes, behind the scripts, were sexual abusers? This isn't a new question, exactly. For decades now, people have tried to reconcile enjoying artwork with the morality of the author. Take the work of Pablo Picasso, for example, probably one of the most easily identifiable artists in the world. We now know, as many women did back then, that he was a serial philanderer. Worse than this, he routinely used and discarded women, immortalised them in artwork after controlling and abusing them. He once described all women as either goddesses or doormats, and he used both for his own benefit. We can see the male gaze in the way that he distorts women's bodies on the canvas, the way he merges them together, the way he uses them to create the messages that he wants the world to see. And yet, at the Picasso Museum in Barcelona, this questionable aspect of his character isn't really mentioned. Why? I hear you ask. Well, I think once you take a step back, the answer is pretty obvious. It makes us feel bad. Liking the imagery you see before you or the film or the music of someone who is a misogynist or an abuser is morally uncomfortable for the consumer of that piece of art. But wait, and be prepared to have your minds blown. What if I told you that the male gaze doesn't just apply to art? Does what you see before you in your everyday life change once you know the institutional discrimination underpinning it? Just as Picasso's work might not seem sexist at first glance, it's just a couple of faces thrown together, right? Is it not possible that once we open our eyes to it, we can see sexism and other forms of discrimination everywhere? Your phone, for example, was designed to fit a man's hand. The justice system in this country was designed by white, cis, straight men. Our ideas around sex, employment, even how much space we occupy in the workplace or in school, is influenced by sexism. And this affects both men and women. 
Feminism can be an oddly intimidating word for teenage boys, because after all, feminism isn't just about women, it's about male behaviour. They are the ones at the end of the day who need to put the hard work in and make progressive change. But the male gaze also influences the way that women see the world too. I'll give you an example. I really, really hated school. I was a bit of an odd one out. I wore braces, I had a fringe that looked a bit like a cut-out triangle on my forehead, and my favourite pastimes were activism and reading. But really, I was afraid of my own voice, and I hated, hated the way that I looked. What informed my own perception of myself was not how I really felt about my own strengths and desires and passions as a young woman. Instead, I saw my value as being wholly dependent on the way that others saw me, through the male gaze. I was not deemed desirable by the boys of my class, and so, to my mind, I was not a valuable commodity. And this is what the male gaze in everyday life teaches women. We outsource our sense of value to other people, to men, such as we see each other, as well as ourselves, through the male gaze. So why don't men, unlike the museum in Barcelona, step back and acknowledge this? Well, again, I think when we take a step back, the answer's pretty simple. It makes them feel bad. But what kind of excuse is that? It's often said that for women to progress, they need to see the world through men's eyes. But to this, I say we do, every day. The more pertinent thing is for men to see the world through women's eyes, to examine Picasso's artwork on the basis that misogynistic ideas influenced every brushstroke. Sexism is just one of the influences underpinning our modern world. We also have heteronormative ideas around race and class to contend with. But the moral of the story is this. Don't take your own ideas at face value. Chip away at them, as you would do with any other piece of art, and hold yourself accountable. How does that interaction with a friend, a colleague, a family member breed now that you acknowledge the power imbalances surrounding it? And the more we start to ask these questions, the more we begin to question our perceived reality. And it is only through this that we are most likely to begin, finally, to see the world through an intersectional and female gaze. Hey, uh, it's me again. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed, then please do let me know. I'm over on Twitter at Martha O'Neill. See you there.